Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Kind Mind Podcast. Today, we have one of the Live Free or Dialogue segments where I invite a special guest to join us. And today, I'm happy to welcome Sarah Durham Wilson, who is a women's rites of passage leader and writer. She's taught courses and led retreats for thousands of women over the past decade. And Sarah previously worked as a rock music journalist in New York City with stints at Rolling Stone, VH1, GQ, Vanity Fair, and culminating as an editor at Interview Magazine. But her first book is called Maiden to Mother, and that was released earlier this year by Sounds True Publishing. And we're going to dive into some of the themes in her book today. So thank you, Sarah, for making time to join us today. My pleasure. Thanks, Todd. And do you think we could start by talking about some of the experiences or inspirations that led up to this work of Maiden to Mother? Absolutely. I call myself having met, like I was, I was deeply um, colonized or patriarchalized in my, my consciousness and definitely like ran around for 30 years um, without any sense of having been mothered, any connection to the earth mother, any connection to the great mother, living a life that felt really fruitless, aimless, small, um, and just a nagging sense that there was more and there was something missing, but not having any consciousness of, of what that could be, any understanding of what that could be until at 31, my my fiance, who I talk about in the book, he was at this point was the love of my life. And um, he left me right before the, our wedding. And I ended up with like a suicide attempt that led to a Kundalini awakening. That's really a rapid divine feminine awakening, which is like all this repressed feminine in my body at this and women's bodies, body of the world, men's bodies, every, everyone, all in between this spectrum of humanity are this, this feminine in us that's been repressed in our bodies and the earth. And it just erupted in me. Um, and while it was the answer, as far as the missing idea of the, the mother as goddess um, and mother as earth, it, it still wasn't the mature feminine I needed to step into at that age in my 30s. Um, so there was still something quite wrong that again, I couldn't address what is this. And I started to track the attributes of the women I was working with and then my own attributes and found them to be quite immature, a lot of vanity, insecurity. Um, <clears throat> and then realized this was a false feminine um, this was a, con a patriarchal construct of the feminine that was not true. And I could sense there was something much deeper in us that we were meant for. Um, and I called that bloom. I called that the archetypal mother because of course in the feminine life stages of uh, like certainly in the Celtic um, ancestry, there's the maiden, the waxing spring, the beginning of things, the new moon. There's the mother, the um, the full moon, the, the woman in bloom, the flat, the rose, the mother tree in bloom, and then there's the waning, the return to the earth, the the crone, the letting go, the the waning moon. And I realized we had been stuck in the infant, infantilized, uh, yes. you know, mm -hmm. like wounded mate that the maiden has become wounded by the patriarchy and without the strong feminine mother she would she would never bloom she would never uh mature ripen 
you know? And I started to kind of track these buried rites of passage buried around the time of, of the goddess about five, almost 5,000 years ago. Um, and that we were sorely missing them. <laughs> and I was too. And I had to piece that back together for myself before I could offer it to anyone else. I can relate a little bit to what you're saying about the industry of media or music. I've been in the music industry for most of my adult life. But I came mm. to kind of recognize these psychological wounds in people that actually could be wildly successful because sometimes you need just a, an unnatural competitive drive to like prove yourself. And the rocket fuel for that oftentimes is like a deep wound between a parent and a child and Absolutely. never feeling accepted or having been abandoned. And so I always struggled in the industry because I, I couldn't find those modes of operation <laughs> And right. it's, it's sad sometimes to realize that so much of the art culture isn't really about like talent and the gifts that people really want to share. It's just so commercialized and so uh, just such a reflection of capitalism. And mm. to be successful, you have to almost, uh, you know, lose yourself at times. So I, I can relate to what you're this saying. This is like the subject of my next book. It's so funny you're talking about this deconstructing celebrity for what it really is. Oh, that's a that's a great way to put it, deconstructing celebrity. It, it, there's actually a collective illusion around celebrity as well. I've, I saw the in this book called Collective Illusions by this author, Todd Rose, who's saying when you actually interview a lot of people privately, they don't include celebrity as their own definition of success, but we right. always think that people of celebrity are successful. So we, ha so we just have this like, um, some of these intuitions are actually off. Oh, well, even yeah, the word, ahead. oh, there's so much fun to, to play with the etymology of it too. I don't know if you snuck into that, that arena. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. I really love etymology. And, yeah, for and, sure. and people who listen to this podcast know that we, we get into that a lot, so. Okay, cool. Well, what I did want to pause on the whole Todd Fink and the music industry because I thought you were the other Todd Fink at first from you the Fink. I get confused with, with him. A lot. And even on uh, on Wikipedia, it has my brother listed as his brother. Oh, funny. So that <laughs> so was my old scene. Confused. That was my old scene, the Saddle Creek scene. I was oh, engaged really? to someone in the Saddle Creek scene. So that was my life back then. In my well, then you probably thought, wow, this is such a, you know, a, a like, strange circle happening here with Todd. I was like, Fink, why isn't you know? he reaching out to me through so like, hey, Sarah, it's Todd. But I was like, all right, maybe this is like his new <laughs> different. And, and you then I'm um, probably know, you know, Todd Fink from the faint is Todd Fink yeah. because he married Orenda Fink. Orenda. Like, that's so cool that he took his wife's last name. He was a feminist before it was cool. It yeah, was, exactly. Right. That's how Todd is. They're very avant garde. And so, Both like, but, but I have to juggle that very cool thing with us being conflated all the time. You're like, sorry, it's not the time. It's the other time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's this another Sarah Wilson, and she's got like tons of followers. She's in Australia. She writes amazing books. And they're like, oh, you're the other one. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah so, uh, well, I know, I know you're, how it feels. You're building something truly special, but. Oh, thanks. Okay, so the etymology. Um, so of celebrity, well, first of all, it's like, you think of it to celebrate, to be celebrated. And the longing for that when you didn't have that is so vicious. You know, most of our the women I work with, our mothers tolerate us. 
So when you feel a, a chance at celebration externally, you're gonna be on, you're gonna be, until you figure out how to inner mother and give that to yourself, that I celebrate you, I see you, I bow to you. You're, if you don't have the tools to do that, which most of us under patriarchy haven't, it's all, you know, um, ex externally source everything, you know, yeah. um, and consume, consume. So when you don't have those tools, if people are validating you on the outside, that's going to be an endless drug, you know? So then the other thing is though, you lose your celebrity when you stop selling, because then S-E-L, S-E-L-L, pretty, celebrity. So you're only worthy in celebrity when you sell. Wow. So what the cool two of those. That celebrity contains the, the phonetic right? sell. Sell. It's in capitalism, under capitalism, that's a celebrity, a yeah. celebrity. And, and you're talking about before your before patriarchy, the collective gifts within community that were celebrated and honored, but not in a pyramid othering way, because celebrities, having had my tiny taste of it, it's miserable. So you it, you realize, oh, I've been climbing up this ladder of this. I've been told this was the boon of ultimate success. And it kind of is in our culture, right? To be a celebrity is like in our culture, our sick culture, that's the top of the game, right? And yeah. the followers, the money, the whatever. And so most people who actually make it there um, get that. And you're talking about how they focus on other areas of their life. Because it's like what Carl Jung talked about, like when we make it to the top of what patriarchy tells us to do, that's when we realize this was a lie, right? And yeah. that's when this, the descent happens into well, ourselves. And I would imagine yeah. that anybody who's truly inspired creatively would would be pained by the the almost diametric opposition of commercialization and creativity because the selling that you're talking about requires formulas and the weaponization of addiction and yes yes and you have to keep you have to keep living up to the character that you're playing i mean this is the really hard thing about celebrity i think like especially in music yeah you have to almost be the alter ego and it's like one ego is enough but now there's a second e the ego of the ego is the character on stage or the character right. performing the and persona the persona yeah exactly right so not every, the person. i mean everything That's you're saying resonates right not the split it's the split between the person and the persona and by midlife you have to choose one and we're not just talking about celebrity culture we're talking about all of us who've had to survive in patriarchal culture and become something we weren't the persona to survive right to be right and so eventually this either this primordial personhood or primordial primordial humanity in us wins over or we we choose the lie so, so what do you mean by internalized patriarchy like all the stuff i've got in me from an ageist culture i have ageism in me from a racist culture i have racism in me from a misogynist culture so so bell hooks it's like we can't call it the monolith of patriarchy we have to break it down by its heads like um what's the word of that it's like a when a when a monster has many heads <laughs> anyway it has all I know these what you mean yeah it's 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 something so obvious it's a multi -headed that dragon yes it's well it's yeah but, but they bell hooks calls it something and i will uh oh, okay. send you an email of what it is or whatever yeah, but 
you have to go head by head, right? So like the Roe versus Wade overturning is just one of their heads. So you, if you slice that off, it, it'll grow another one. You have to get to the root of this, the heart of it, right? And you have to, but you also can't just be, when you say, oh, you're being patriarchal, you have to tell me how, you have to tell me why, so I can break this down. So are we talking about money? Am I being a capitalist? Are we talking about the way I'm speaking about women? Am I being a misogynist? Are we talking about the way I'm speaking about a woman of color? Am I being racist? Like you have to like examine to the point of like what shit, what spectrum of or head of the patriarchy is this? You can, if it's a monolith that never goes away, you just hurl yourself at the like sheer rock of it, you know? But if you can hack away at the individual heads, does that make sense? It does make sense. In you. And then you get to the root, and I don't do colonization work, decolonization work, because I'm a white woman. Um, when you get to the work that you that women of color, indigenous women, black women are gifting us with decolonization work, that's when you get to like the root of what col- what the colonizers did to our consciousness, which is and what it was meant to do was destroy nature and destroy the wild in us to keep us robotic, machine-like, orderly, subservient, infantilized. Right. So it's fun work, really. I know it's. <laughs> It's important work. And I like talking a lot about stages of life. I actually think that so much of the mental health today has to do with lack of mentorship through the stages of life. So of course, we we need therapists, but what what are therapists? They're specialists that are actually trained in stages of life, because that's when so much mental illness manifests when a kid goes off to college for the first time or when uh, you sound like a Bill Plotkin fan. I don't know. I don't know who that is. What? Sounds familiar though. So maybe I do. You See, love. Uh, yeah, Bill Plotkin. Um, he does those mystery schools out in Colorado. Uh, look up Bill Plotkin. Okay. See what, yeah, I think I don't think you're the first person to, to mention yeah. him to me. So I'll check it out. I'm not right. I'm not. No. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No. Um, anyway, yes. I mean, I always say. When women just get to the door of my work, you found your way here without, to this point in your life, without mentors, without a mo- without true mothering, without guides, like you survived in this world without rites of passage, elders, mentors, guides, or even com- you know camaraderie with your sisters because in the patri- patriarchy, they're all our competition, you know? So like they got here on their, army crawling but they got here without guides and now the guides are here for you yeah and and even that institution though sarah has its own patriarchal damage or corruption because so many purported mentors end up manipulating their students or um turning commodifying wisdom you know wisdom isn't really something that can be imparted because it's innate Mm-hmm. You, and what you're talking about, and, and you know what, what inspires me when I was reading your book is how you're, you're talking about deconstructing, and that wisdom dawns just by removing some of the illusions. Mm-hmm. When I, it, I'd like to see what you think about this. I have this theory that the the aging versus maturing problem. So there's su- such resistance to aging, and I don't think it parallels nicely between men and women. I think men can enjoy this different kind of arc where the more, the older they look, the 
the higher their value in society, right? And it's the, almost the opposite. So cute, but I need to help you with something. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> when you're so right, when you say, I don't think that there's, it's equal, it, you don't even have to think, or it is so unequal, Todd. It is crazy. Yeah. These men are 68, marrying 24 year olds, and because yeah. fantasized and fetishized the, the maiden over the, yeah. He sexualized the mother. They have the Madonna whore split and they are children themselves. How could they be with a woman? They're yeah. children are terrified well, of well, us. The, the only thing I want to add to that though, Sarah. Rides, go ahead. And throwing out the old yeah. the older women like their products because they treat them like objects yeah. that have aged. Yeah. And Sorry. I don't disagree with that. I, I just want to include that even men, um, I think th this kind of consciousness is is even like permeating into the masculine in the sense where like men are going to are more likely now than ever before to get uh, hair transplants, to get facelifts, things like. So, sure. I'll give you that, Todd. I'll give yeah, you so, that. So I'm just saying that um, <laughs> they're not totally free from this idea that aging is bad. Let me let me just. Yeah, 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 no, totally. Put a little uh, note, a footnote there. But you're <laughs> right. There, it's it, it's not even comparable. It's an inverse uh, operation here. You should read, um, not should, I'm sorry. I invite you to read Susan Sontag's work on aging women. And it's it's dated. It's not intersectional. But um, it, it is um, for all aging women, how it, the terror of becoming, you know, invisible to the patriarchy and how long they try to put that off because invisibility to a to the patriarchy to a patriarchal woman means death right mm -hmm. and so if that's all your value that's it your your worth is your looks what happens after that is a crisis you're right you're so right. they put that off so susan sontag really helps helped me understand ageism yeah well what do you think about this then that there is a relationship between one's psychological growth maturing blooming like you said and the acceptance of whatever the natural processes of aging in life so for example i think for the most part as we go through school we don't really lament at, at, in high school that we don't look like kindergartners and in college we don't really you know try to be children but but that's often where adults just stop their evolution in terms of maturity. They yeah. just plateau there. And that's also, there was a study done that shows the only age that people actually want to be, and this is for men and women, is 21. Anyone younger wants to be older, anyone older wants to be younger, like 60 year olds would that's like to be 40. It's called Forever 21. They took it from that psychology. Ex exactly, exactly, yeah. right? Uh -huh. But I don't think it's a coincidence that that's, roughly where a lot of people end their education. Now, oh, now, my theory is that if you continue on with your maturity, yeah, when your maturity is proportional to your age, like if you're growing, you're, you're um, challenging yourself because education and growing up is a big challenge, but then we plateau ordinarily. But if we keep digging, keep diving, you know, keep pursuing, our evolution or our blooming, then I think it also yields a kind of peace about whatever is happening organically. Mm -hmm. And that's where mentors like like true mentors like you 
um, come in because mm. if people can stay engaged with that process, even if they're not in school, why, why should it require school to mm. be interested in your psychological growth? And I like so, the word mature. Mature actually means ripen, like yeah. a fruit, maturus, mm -hmm. to ripen. And, and then when you put it in that kind of framing, bitterness even, it doesn't necessarily mean a, a person is bad. It could just mean that there's more blooming to do, more blossoming mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a way, I think, to accept ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I've been on this, this maturity tip for six years or something now, and it was a really hard sell. And I don't mean that in a financial way. Just it was a hard sell for women at first because of our anti-aging culture. Because right. maturity sounded like getting older and women had no interest. I mean, when I started this work, I feel like we were all trying to look like centerfolds. And it was about our, it was, we were upholding the patriarchal values that our worth was in how we looked as women trying to dismantle the patriarchy, we were, we were centering our looks. And so slowly decentering our looks was also terrifying for women doing this work. Who am I without this? You know, which is the work I do with my daughter whenever she focuses as the culture does on her exterior, I bring her back to who's this person? Because this is going to change all the time and it's completely subjective in everyone else's eyes. But this is, you know this, and this is actually what makes you beautiful. And this is what's going to last. And she focuses on inner beauty, you know, because she is a knockout, but it's, like I say, it's the least interesting thing about her. I like how you put that, the least interesting thing. It's not mine, but, you know, whoever said that. These three archetypes, maiden, mother, crone, I think in the, in the culture then it's kind of a downward arc in patriarchal capitalist philosophy or system right. of oppression. <laughs> Even the word though, crone, doesn't sound, doesn't like phonetically sound appealing, right? Crumble, oh. crust, crone, you know? <laughs> Crusty crone. <laughs> Crusty crone. Maiden, interestingly, has roots in magu, which I think in ancient times applied to boys and girls. It was like mm. any young young person, but now we just think of maiden as soft, supple, beautiful, attractive, youthful women. New. Hmm? New. Yes, new. I maiden voyage. Un, un, like, yeah, new. <laughs> Untried. <laughs> exactly, unbroken. Unbroken. So now, what, what's involved then with that transition from, like the mature transition from that, from maiden to mother in your work? I mean, the bones of it are coming into your body, coming into the earth, understand, getting an understanding of the great mother and her dream of and love for you. So what do you mean by that, great mother? talking about the earth you're talking about a spiritual energy a force the great mother to me is the black madonna she for me she is the creatrix of all like mother of uh, of all she is the root chakra of um of women the black madonna is an enigma and a mist and a mystery and 
she's also hailed all over the world in countries um, um, where the skin of the humans is darker and um, the seat, the root of around Egypt, like the, the root chakra, the, the, femin- the seat of the feminine, the dark feminine and the seat of our eco grief. And I believe that the Black Madonna comes to us in the darkest times of our life and shows us the light there. And she did that for me in my midlife crisis. And I was very, very ill last year with my daughter uh, for three weeks in bed. And I met her and um, in the darkest time, there was a new way shown. uh, And it was was, um, very intersectional and in devotion to black women, indigenous women, and really um, learning to take a seat back to the women who have been fighting and we haven't been listening as white feminists for so long. And it's their work that works. Um, Bell Hooks, Asada Shakur, uh, Winona LaDuke. Um, it's these women we need to listen to. And at the root of that is the belief, my belief that, and the, it, that God is a black woman. And, uh, and uh, those, are, those are who need to be centered. If we want to save this earth, we need to save women of color first. Um, and it's all tied together for me through my Black Madonna awakening. Um, so that's the great mother to me. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that reflection. And when I'm listening and contemplating, thinking about what you said, the, the dark feminine energy or spirit, and yeah. it's, it's kind of reflected in, in the creative process. Mm-hmm a tree is born out of the dark earth and the roots are always invisible. And we come out of this dark period of the womb. Mm -hmm. And then we're kind of taught that uh, culturally that darkness is scary or bad and it creates a lot of confusion for us. But really like the darkness has its own beauty and it continues to birth all kinds of ideas and, and beautiful gifts. Uh, yeah, it's the underworld and we're in it collectively, you know, um, and we need to find the gifts. We need to let the old life die and find the gifts down here in the grief and the, and the, you know, only through stopping and looking at what we've done and grieving how we've lived and grieving what we've done and to ourselves, each other, the earth, and looking at what we need to let die in us, letting it bleed out these old systems, you know, these old ways of being. Um, and that's why we're all just, everyone is just being asked, slow down, stop, pause. I don't know anyone who isn't getting that. Slow down so you can hear, see, listen, you know what I mean? Like feel and find a new way. The dark serves to do that. The dark slows us down and we're from the dark and we'll return to it. It's mother. I actually want to get back to your other question first before and said, who's the great mother to you? Um, So the bones of made into mother work is embodiment. Like we fled our bodies in wounded maiden. You know, we, it is, we have lived in fantasy in our heads because the reality is too scary for an unmothered 
human. Like it's hard out here. There's real choices to make. There's real conflicts. There's real loss. There's real rejection. There's real failure out here, you know? And if you're not self-actualized, if you're not on your own two feet, you're going to live up here, right? Because you have to, I don't know that there's a, there's a, there's a, hundred percent of the women I ask, you know, when we start the mother work, what, what do you wish your mom had been like? What, like, what's the number one trait that you wish you'd had in her? And they all say presence. And the, which means she was there. Her body was physically there, but she was a hundred miles away. Mm-hmm. That's what most women are like. We're just like, I have to be here. I have to get through this. Okay. I'm going to just be up. You know, I am not going to be here. And you can't be in mother if you're not present. Like, and so what we're being asked to be is like sturdily in our bodies here attending to these cries in here and also knowing how to attend and respond to those around us keeping things safe which means moving slowly and being in response grounded response instead of frenetic and fragile reaction so like slowing the world down by slowing ourselves down our speech our response and you know to do the least harm possible because the work of the mother is to bring safety to ourselves we have not been safe for ourselves or others in wind and maiden we have been like people running through rooms with our hair on fire and it's been disaster after disaster and so it's about calming ourselves down by remembering there is a child or you can think of it as the the nervous system the little tree (laughs) the maiden like and we're the big mother tree and there is a child now to be tended to there are roots of our body to be unfurled deeply into the earth and return to that natural pace and that resource you know receiving being nurtured the giving and the receiving that comes from our energetic state like a tree offering her apples her shade her wood you know we are rooted and the giver we are the safe place we are the space holder we are the full moon that does not react to the tides we we just the tides react to us we stay in this this fullness, like unmovable. And that changes our lives and that changes the world when women move to that strong, resource, slow, responsive, bloomed and rooted state. And that is the work. And it's like coming home to yourself. It was really beautiful. The <laughs> the imagery of a tree and its pace mm-hmm. adds so much wisdom for us, like how mm-hmm. patient a tree can be. And if we're really so obsessed with anti-aging, well, you know, you can look at a redwood tree that's been there for a thousand years, just in the same position, you know, or in this rooted in the same place. And, and gorgeous, we did, by the way, absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. The older she and becomes. gorgeous, and we just look at it as this unconscious thing in the way, or maybe you know, a material we could use, and yet it can do something. Can I help you with something? Yeah. I just right there yeah so you know language is spell work obviously and so you keep saying we are looking at this and we feel nothing but that's not my story that's is that's you if you if you want to claim that that's yours and you say i but that's you're projecting that onto me with we 
So claim your story that maybe once I, or are you saying somebody else can look at it? Because I don't think you look like that or Redwood like that either. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I would say they. Um, some. Some. Many. But I would, but I would agree that it's many or, or even most. Yeah, most or many. There we and go. And I've seen them. And uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I've had a little bit different upbringing. My dad, it was somebody that would stay in a tree to prevent it from being cut down, you know. Yeah, I love your dad. <laughs> so, so I, I totally had a, you know, I had an experience growing up where I saw my dad healing and nursing a wounded bird. A cat had attacked it, but it didn't die. And he, for weeks, patiently mended the wings and provided it a, a space and one day um, he had to travel and he asked me to protect the bird. And I got distracted with video games or something and a cat found its way to the bird and, and killed it. And when my dad came back and found that all that, all that work was for nothing, he didn't get mad at me. He was just crying though. And, and I saw something in that moment that I never fully realized that there is so much value in in life, in any form of life. So no, I don't look at a tree like that or a bird or or anything, but I, but I didn't understand that that's not usually, that's not the most common upbringing. <laughs> to feel this, this bird. slowness and patient connection. Yeah. But I, I guess I like to use we because I feel like there may be elements within me. I, I don't feel like I have complete understanding or I don't always recognize where I contribute even subconsciously to the natural world being treated that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I also recognize that I'm a white guy and we meaning the, the, the communities that I still am connected to and belong to that I have work to do within those communities to help um, to help the whole be able to heal. But yeah. I appreciate what you're nope. saying. You know, and that's something that I think I do need to think about more when I'm communicating and, and how it might come across or, or, or the impact it might have, you know, especially with my guests. So, well, you. oh, thank you, because it's just something I'm working on as I deconstruct patriarchy in me and my language when I'm speaking about doing it and who's we and who's they and when I say I who am I talking about I'm like you know it's it's because sometimes I just say oh we're all like this or or they're all like or white women are all like this and and it, it's just so much more nuanced and it, it can it can be painful to people when I'm not more careful with that so I'm, I'm in that place and the other thing I would I would say is too is that that's also an aspiration in me i think it would be untrue for me to say that i'm not ever subjected to the you know to the influences of capitalism oh. and the urges that can urges. overpower me what the urge. yeah yeah uh so yeah. so i'm sure anybody could find me at any particular time not truly appreciating what's around me or not appreciating it enough. So I just include myself, I guess. that. Let's go the... back to we. Let's go back to we with the Redwoods. <laughs> Wait, okay. that, was, that was good. <laughs> and and the other thing that, that came to mind when you were describing that 
was water for the tree and light for photosynthesis. I think these are really powerful mythological symbols. You see them in, in so many stories of saints and, um, and holy people. Magical things happen with water, magical things happen with the light. But I think in a, in a simple way, we could just be talking about nourishment and knowledge or wisdom. Light is illuminating or enlightenment. Well, community is nourishment and mm -hmm. and not, and especially where we're headed, like all these people that are still saying like, I'm gonna help you make six figures or whatever. Like the wealth is community. Like the word wealth comes from wellness and one cannot be well in isolation, you know? So we are only well, like Malcolm X said, when we're weak, otherwise we're illness, <laughs> you know? We're wellness when we're, when we're together. And, and I have learned that at 43. I've learned that very well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, as I'm in community for the first time, as an isolated patriarchal feminist who was gonna save the world herself, it was fucking hell. And so, you know, being in community instead with a bunch of diverse women with diverse, you know, even you know, just us talking and seeing things differently, seeing my blind spots, like, you know, community is so powerful when you're unified. If you think about the tree when she was a bud, or, you, you know, I talk about this in the book, or a flower when it's a bud, it has to push up against dark earth and it has to kind of be anti-relational, right? It's just like, uh, like to find its place in the sun. But then when something is in bloom and self-actualizes, or you know, finds its gift and it becomes part of the community because it offers the gift to the community, the way the, the flower pollinates or the tree offers her oxygen and fruit and shade or whatever. And then she's become very relational. In fact, mother is the most relational state because yes, she needs the soil, she needs the rain, the, the bees, you know, and, and so we're, and then we become part of this in, interdependent web that the mother is trying to get us back into this, like this interdependent eco-consciousness instead of this patriarchal individualized consciousness, right? So that's where midlife has taken me, which is wonderful. Yeah, and you said in the book, uh, something that really resonates that life happens to the maiden and through the mother. Yeah, that was from my like coach I ever worked with. We got there that like in my immaturity, I was always just reacting to life instead of creating my life, right? Yeah, yeah. So that represents, I think, a powerful shift because yeah. in the analogy of the tree, you know, it's felt vulnerable in the beginning. When a tree sprouts, you know, it can get stepped on, it can get eaten by. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why it needs protection at first, like children. Right. And I mean, I think this is where maybe what you mean with wounded maiden, that a lot of pain can happen in that stage of life where you're vulnerable or mm -hmm. misguidance even too, you know. So maybe this, does some of this work include forgiving um, our parents or, or your parents? Absolutely. Or I mean, you don't have to, like the degrees right. of abuse are all varied, you know, but. Because probably when you're diving into that, you're, you're recognizing, oh, wow, you know, my mother was wounded in this way by the forces that be when she was a, a maiden. So that's what I said by the and end of the You start to see the system, systemic aspect of it. Right, powerless without any of these tools as well. So that's what I end up saying is like, I got to a place where I 
I could see my mother as, you know, um, as Pierre by the time I got to her age. And then I got to a place so deeply in my own archetypal mother that I could see the child in my mother and even care for that child, like give her a lap. I got to the place where I was so, like I could stroke my own mother's hair as a child, you know? I got to the place, my mother died when I was 17. I got to the place though, where I was no longer mad at my mother. I had no energy for that. I was sad for her and then mad for her, not at her. And that's where I've gotten with my mom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, uh, that's not easy, so. That's uh, it's work. <laughs> what? It's my work. <laughs> I know. I and yeah. I just wanted to commend you for for that because yeah, that is not easy. But somebody that that can take that journey definitely has something to offer in the way of guidance for other people embarking on that journey. Aww. Well, I know. Um, I know you have to go. So I just <laughs> want to yeah to. Is there any closing things you could say about this journey out of the underworld and then? And then, uh, yeah, it involves, I wrote about it yesterday in my um, newsletter. It involves taking these steps of steel, like the ones you take when you're crossing a tightrope from skyscraper to skyscraper, or when you're leaving a, a burning building with only what you love, or when you're walking, when you need the faith to walk across water or the grace it takes to trust a staircase you can't see. It means you have to, once you let the maiden and you rest and die enough and the mother and you breathe and rise enough, you have to start taking steps out of that burning tower because you've waited long enough and no one is coming to save you. And this is the moment you get to see what you're made of. And I think you're gonna be overwhelmed to see how capable you are once you start waking that mother, queen, warrior, lover that's been waiting for her moment to rise in you. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. I know you have to go. So yeah. hopefully we can connect again in the future yeah. and best yeah. wishes with your work and with the community work you're doing and the book. And I look forward to future books from you. So all the best to you and, uh, and to your daughter. You have a daughter, right? one daughter. I do have one. How old are you? I'm 43. I think you said you were 43. I am. So we can jam on midlife life crisis vibes next. That's right. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> okay. You take, take care. care. Bye. Bye.